As you can tell just by looking outside your window, a new season is about to dawn. There's probably uh, flowers that are beginning to bloom. You have buds coming out on the trees. And we look forward to the time that lies ahead. And so too in the life of the church, a, a new season is about to dawn. Next Sunday is Easter. And we look forward to having you join us then. But before we get there, we, we celebrate today, Palm Sunday, a day that opens us uh, into this great week, this holy week, with Monday, Thursday, and Good Friday, and Holy Saturday bringing us to the door of Easter, Resurrection Sunday. Palm Sunday, many of you are, are familiar with the account. We, we hear versions of it every year. And in each of the versions, we, we hear these same words, Hosanna to the Son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. You, you, you know it, don't you? There is familiar, familiarity to it. Jesus' great triumphal entry. He's made the hundred mile trek on foot from Capernaum to Bethany, healing people all along the way. And now a, a, a crowd of people, they, they've gathered and, and they process Jesus this last mile from Bethany into Jerusalem. And you know the story. They're laying down their cloaks in humility. They're submitting to him. They're, they're waving palm branches in celebration and joy. And they shout out, Hosanna, Hosanna, save now. Or, oh, oh, save us now. And who? To David, to, to the son of David. And David, of course, was the great king of Israel, the, the one that they still tell stories about. Saul has slain his, his thousands and David his ten thousands. If you were going into a fight, David was somebody that you would want with you. Uh, he, he brought an end to Israel's enemies in his life. And here now is Jesus, a descendant of David, and, and even more a descendant of Abraham, and, and going further still, of God himself, true God of true God. And he comes to the city, the city of David, and the people, they usher him in, expecting their sure deliverance. You see, Rome has been in power and has had their, its heavy boot on their necks for some time. And they are expecting a geopolitical, military type of deliverance from these overtaxing, oppressing, God-hating Romans. And so surely now, our king, Jesus, whom we now usher in as our king, surely now he will gain us the victory that we want. And we on this side of the cross, we, we know that he has done this, but it was in a very different way than, than many in that day, than any perhaps even in that day expected. And to be perfectly honest, a very different way than any of us would have expected. Salvation didn't come, per se, in the form that they were thinking about. Jesus came not riding a tank, uh, but, but riding a donkey. Um, military generals would come in riding on a horse. Um, uh, even uh, Jacob Maccabeus, uh, about 80 years before Jesus, after he had overcome the Seleucid emperor, he came riding in on a stallion, on a horse. It's, it, it, it's a symbol of power, but to ride in on a donkey, that's a symbol of peace. Of peace. That's what Jesus' desire is 
for us to have, for you to have, is to have his peace. A peace that does indeed surpass understanding. But Jesus came again, not how they thought, not as some great military hero. In fact, he came and when he came, he was betrayed. He was arrested. He was tried and ultimately crucified. And with each downward turn, more and more of their expectations of what, the, what and who the Messiah should be and what he should do, they began to fall and they began to turn and to forsake Jesus. Ultimately, all had turned and forsaken him. Because Jesus came in a very different way than any of them had expected. And again, in a very different way than any of us had. He saw a greater deliverance for you and for me and for the people of, uh, of humanity of all times. It, it's kind of like we're, we're, we're still in tax season and a, a, there may, you may uh, uh, go see an accountant to prepare your taxes. And he's going to ask you to bring all of your financials, not just, not just your W-2s and things like that. He's going, he's going to, to want you to bring all of your financials because he wants to look at all of it to make sure that you get the best uh, uh, return. Jesus, too, so he sees a bigger deliverance for you and me. And so he came, he came to heal our heart and to rehabituate our love. For in this way, evil would be defeated and would certainly be on the run. And oh, how necessary this is for us even still. I mean, we can be humanity, right? We can, we can be kind of horrible, we, uh, right now in this, in this time that we, see our, uh, that, we, that we have ourselves in with this pandemic, we see, we see good in humanity, but we also see some very brokenness still existing in humanity. Perhaps even in, in, in your own life, you, you sense that and feel that. Too often, ugliness rears its, its head in, in the human heart. And we see and we feel its devastation. And it destroys homes, it destroys relationships, it dest destroys finances. And so much more. It, 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 tears, it, it tears down uh, um, agreements between countries and, and, and people. And it breaks, perhaps most significantly, it breaks communion with God. What humanity did to Jesus, too often we still continue to do to others. We oppress and we exploit uh, we withhold forgiveness. We, we love money. We, we chase fame and notoriety. We withhold the good that we are often called to do. We make life about me rather than stewarding creation as, as our brother's keeper. And in these ways, we, we know we, uh, uh, we, that we show just how miserably we serve Jesus as our king. Know that he loves you. Know that he has given his life for you. And know that he's not stopping in seeing your life transformed. But it is in him that we will find that transformation to be the humanity that his ministry, what he did on the cross when he came into Jerusalem, affords us. Where we can actually live into his kingdom principles. Where we forgive and we love. Even our enemies. We turn the other cheek. Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are the peacemakers. And, and we live more and more into his kingdom principles. 
And so we return once again to uh, the church calendar and to, and to this day, Palm Sunday. And we hear this word again that our king has come and he has come to deliver us, to set the oppressed free, those who are oppressed by evil. And we return to these words and to our savior who was ushered in. And we hear these words that we do have a savior, right? We have a savior who can do a deeper work in our hearts. We can, who can do a deeper work in you in overcoming the evils in your life. But it may happen in ways that you did not expect. As people of faith in Jesus, we, we have a real desire to be whole, right? Uh, to feel honest and, 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 and true and fresh and authentic. And we long and we crave for these. And, and who can argue with these very positive adjectives? But often what happens, though, is, is that this leads to a constant sense that I must have something new, something novel. And so, and so novelty has this burden of, of trying to produce in us something fresh and sincere and authentic. There's this sense that I can't really grow if I, if I do the same things over and over again. And so perhaps for some to hear these, uh, the, these texts and these seasons of Palm Sunday and Easter and Christmas over and over and over again. And, 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 and with, for, for some, the, the liturgies that we do, perhaps they seem to fall flat, a little dry. And, and what, what do we make of that? Novelty has this burden that novelty cannot bear. It cannot actually produce sincerity. And so now we are, we are really getting to the heart of what it means to be human. And so the church calendar and these readings and spiritual disciplines and liturgy and the like, these, these all too often get accused of being insincere. It feels rote and falls flat. And, and we are, uh, we, we're, we're spontaneous people. And, and, and the assumption is that sincerity can't be found in other things. And that's what leads to the church feeling like she needs to remake herself over and over just just to be able to speak into contemporary culture and i get it i get the impulse you know uh, uh, i'm i'm a little bit right brain heavy myself you know there's there are these creatives uh creative types and 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 we have these creative impulses and i get that you know i think too that god gets that uh, the New Testament that we have was written in Koine Greek. And I don't think that that was by accident. I think God had, had his New Testament to be written in the, in the street level Greek of the people rather than the, 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 the Greek of commerce and business so that it could be heard by the masses. But understand where, the, where this leads. We can then tend to, to think that worship is primarily a venue for innovation and creativity. And believe me, again, creativity is great, but worship cannot be reduced solely to our creative genius. What if, what if worship is, isn't primarily a venue for culturally derived, innovative uh, creativity? But what if worship is a place for discerning and faithful reception? Those were wise words, I think, by uh, uh, James K. Smith. From his book, uh, You Are What You Love. 
What is worship about? What if worship isn't primarily a venue for culturally derived innovative creative creativity? But it, what if worship is a place for discerning and faithful reception? That what we do here together is to, to, to try to discern what God is doing in this moment, in this place, and that we just try to, to receive it, to receive from him. If we were to read a bit more from our, from our text this morning, the, the very next passage is about Jesus entering the temple and overturning the worship that it had become. And he says, my house is supposed to be a house of prayer, of leaning into God and receiving from him. What if we begin to see that worship is, is rooted in the conviction that God is the primary actor uh, so, that, so that we enter into a sacred space in which God is already here. He's, he's always the initiator. And as we begin to give ourselves to him, to, to our king and savior, to this worship, what we are really trying to do is to notice what God is already doing and receive the remaking and the remodeling of our lives in his image. And so the goal is, is not to be historic nor to be innovative. Rather, what we are trying to do is to have our hearts recalibrated and our loves rehabituated. But this will require submission. That we submit ourselves to the discipline of weekly doing business with God. Wherever you gather for worship, that we get before God and we seek him. Lord, uh, how do I do, do life in my culture that, that has significantly different aims and values than I am taking on as a follower of King Jesus? Uh, Lord, make this a virtue in me, right? Um, I'm learning more and more, really, that the repetition of these stories, uh, hearing again the, the accounts from the church calendar of Palm Sunday and Easter and, and so on, uh, more and more that I'm learning more and more even that the repetition of even received prayers and the, the, the spirit, the great acts of spiritual formation that we live into these, even though they are repetitious, they actually help to produce the life of Christ in me. They always call me back to the life of Christ. He is King Jesus and he has conquered evil. And he is continuing to conquer evil still today in our world and in me. And if you let him, in you. So what are you giving your, yourself to? Have you, have you committed to live for Jesus? To confess him as your Lord and your king? To, to take upon yourself his values and his aims to see his kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven? Uh, are the things uh, you're doing connecting you more and more to God or to a person or to a thing? Be sure that your focus is on him to seek first uh, 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 God and his kingdom. And in what ways is, is Jesus calling and equipping you through the Holy Spirit to, to live out these kingdom principles? What is he calling you to do now? What is that next act of love? that he is calling you to.
Let's be a people surrendered and submitted to him to see his kingdom come, to see the evils and the brokenness in our lives overcome by the goodness of our Savior and our King. His name is Jesus. Let me pray for you. Oh Lord, we thank you for your great humility that you have shown in leaving your glorious position in heaven to come as one of us, to come even as a servant, to, to come and even forsaking life itself and being crucified for our sake, that we may live and that the evils of the world may have their grip loosened from us. Oh Lord, make us a people that we cannot make ourselves. Heal our homes, heal our lives, and may it all be to your glory, Lord. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen and amen. Well, God bless you, church. Thanks for uh, joining us. Uh, know that I love you. God loves you. I'm praying for you, and I hope to see you soon. Amen.